Hey everybody, welcome to the Sex Actually Podcast. It's your guy, Dave Neal, the host with the most issues on relationships and dating. Hey, if you're new to us, um, uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for stopping by. How'd you find out about us? I appreciate you listening. Are you with your spouse, your significant other? Are you alone with the bottle? No judgments. Boy, there is nothing better than having a beer by yourself. Isn't that right? Hey, I tell you what, if you're having a bad day today and like your day's done, you're, you know, you're home from work, you're listening to this, I tell you what, put this on pause, go grab a cold beer, and then go meet me in the shower. Just take a nice shower, have that beer, keep it raised up so it doesn't get any water splashed inside of it, you know, like long neck beers work well. You know what works well? You can grab a Corona. Go grab a Corona, slice a lime. And I'm so sorry if you're sober and this is triggering you. Um, you can also have a smoothie. Get a kombucha, meet me in the shower. And let's chat. Uh, Tell them some of the best conversations happen in the shower. I feel like I should do one-on-one counseling in the shower. That sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. Uh, full disclaimer, I have, uh, I have no degree in psychology or the human mind. I am just a self-proclaimed uh, codependent who's very sensitive and loves words of affirmation. That's, that's it for me. I don't want your quality time. I don't need your gifts. Every once in a while, you can touch me. Boy, do I love touch. I had no idea. Folks, we're going to talk a little bit about the five love languages. As always, this is a solo episode. Uh, it's just going to be me and you hanging out. Um, but, you know, I've talked about the five love languages a ton. And, of course, we know, uh, uh, I guess real quick, we'll, we'll um, mention each one. So we've got uh, words of affirmation. Um, we've got quality time. We've got receiving gifts. Uh, we have acts of service. And we have physical touch. And look, it's what's interesting is there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that you might not consider like woo woo relationshipy. I hear you, bro. I hear you. This isn't your like woe is me. Let's hold each other as we come, bro. If that's what you want to do, lady friends. If that's what gets you off, all for it. But we're just trying to have a real conversation here, okay? You know, I come from uh, the Catholic background, which, yeah, I mean, look, hey, my family's great. They're very, um, they're very into giving back to the community and all that. But yeah, you know, sexually, we're a little repressed. And what's so funny, you know, like last night I watched the show Bachelorette, and you know, it's the, it's a fantasy suite, which means um, the Bachelorette Becca she whittles the dudes down to three guys. She starts off with like thirty bros, right? She whittles them down to three guys. She's met all of their family, and now. She's in Thailand, and um, basically, Chris Harrison says, hey, if you guys want to forego your individual hotel rooms, here's the key to the fantasy suite. And then they get to decide, they get to decide with consent, if they want to have sex. And sure, it's not on camera, but it's pretty fucking crazy that we're watching this on broadcast television. You know what I mean? It's weird that in some ways, our culture is okay talking about sex, but only when it's called the fantasy suite. You know what I mean? When we label things, like I can't, when I make YouTube videos, I can't put sex, S-E-X, in the description of the video or it gets demonetized. And it's like, what are we doing, folks? Who's, you know what I mean? But luckily with podcasts, we have the ability to actually have real fucking conversations as a normal fucking human would have them. You know what I mean? So we get a little graphic sometimes, but we talk about things. I posted something yesterday, and yeah, we're going to be jumping all over the place. I posted something yesterday on my Instagram story. I said, I said, if prostitution is the oldest profession, then dick sucking is the original direct deposit. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was a funny line. I'm going to try it on stage. Tasha texted me. She goes, you know, um, my mom reads your Instagram. And I'm like, well, so what? Maybe she needs to suck. I oh, know that if she listens to this podcast, I'm not telling her sex and dick. But hey, you know, look. The point is, is that um, yeah, it gets a little weird sometimes when 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 I have a life that's built around being honest with myself and trying really hard with stand up to just be um, you know in the moment and speak my truth, but also having to realize that you need to pay respect to this older generation who doesn't even want to hear you mention sex or fornication. It's like, holy shit. You know, these, the, but is, well, why is it taboo? Why is sex taboo? You know what I mean? We ask ourselves these questions. But I guess on Bachelorette, as long as you call it the fantasy suite, it's okay. But uh, God forbid we talk about it. I mean, you know, I had to change the name of the podcast to The Sap because too many people were like, sex, actually, no. And of course, you know, as you've learned, we talk less about sex and more about relationships. Look, I am a fan of sex. 
just like the next guy, but you know, this podcast is more like what leads to getting you sex. So if you want sex, um, this podcast maybe might help you release that inner demon with consent. <laughs> I'm going to release a comedy album called With Consent. Uh, release that demon all over her if she asks for it and approves. And consent can be taken away at any time. So can that dick. Um, moving on, folks. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Let's talk about it. Let's, uh, let's, let's get out there and talk about all that it is that we need to do to share love and receive love and that's why we bring up the five love languages right we've brought it up in the past if if you're a, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast and you haven't bought a copy of the five love languages look i just don't think you want it bad enough i don't what is this gary chapman wrote this book it's only what is it 15.99 like let's go right 10 million copies sold uh it is the simplest most um uh a self most explained uh, way to to talk about love and and what we need to realize is that we how we give and receive love is just different you know what i mean it's just different Every, between everybody when you want to learn a language you don't learn when you want to learn spanish 101 you don't study english you already know english habla español you study the other language that you want to learn with love languages you need to study the language that the that the person, um, your significant other needs to receive. But Hey, also this works for friends. This works for profession, your professional life. This works for your family. You know, I've had to learn that my mom loves acts of service. She loves, and she also loves, like she loves knowing that she's appreciated. So words of affirmation and acts of service work well. I don't think my mom needs quality time for me. I live across the country. I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think she needs physical touch. Not going to find out. You know what I mean? But it's about labeling what it is we need to give to others and then being able to follow through. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's uh, let's bust it open. I know we've talked about it a ton in the past, but it, but it's all about you know the five different languages and what you need, like receiving gifts, right? That's number one, receiving gifts. You know, this one isn't really big for me. Like I love it when my girlfriend will come home with a new pair of shorts that she found for me, and that's cool. But I don't think it's that important. Let's read a little bit about. It. You've heard of the twelve days of Christmas. How about twelve days of gifts for your spouse's birthday or your wedding anniversary? Uh, let nature be your guide. The next time you take a walk through the neighborhood, keep your eyes open for a gift for your spouse. I do like that. I do like when I see something, I give it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Any gifts? Uh, is it anyone out there big on receiving gifts? Uh, and I'm not, again, not to not to downplay this love language. I just don't think this one's for me. Um, discover the value of ho- handmade originals. Make a gift for your spouse. This may require you to enroll in an art or crafts class, ceramics, scrapbooking, painting, wood carving. Your main purpose for enrolling is to make your spouse a gift. A handmade gift often becomes a fairly family heirloom. When money is tight, think of appropriate symbolic gifts. Yeah, that's the thing with giving gifts. I think symbolic gifts are just as important. If you find something small. You know what I mean? Like if I know Tasha is going on a flight i let oh you know what i this is what i did before we started dating it was the yeah it was literally weeks before we started dating before we had first you know gotten out of the friend zone if you will um she was heading back to her home in kentucky for christmas and i was watching her dog boone who as you all know i've since adopted how do I know I adopted him? I wiped his ass when he had diarrhea. So that's when you, you know, that's when the adoption papers come through on the dog. When you've wiped their, when you have to lift their tail up and wipe their ass, um, like the reverse slot machine that he is. Um, those aren't coins coming out. Hey folks, um, uh, what are we doing? So I remember I was like, I like this girl, but I also like, don't know how to share my love. And since we weren't dating, you know, I wasn't going to do anything super, you know, I don't know. I wasn't going to get her any like jewelry or something crazy because that's just weird. So what I did is I went to, um, you know, I went to CVS, local pharmacy for those international folks, and I uh, I just got her a gift package. I got her, um, I got I got her things she could get through TSA. So I got her a like an Us Weekly, maybe a Cosmo. I don't know. I got her a uh, some chocolate and uh, some gum, and um, I know I put it in a bag and I gave her a Christmas card. And, and does she even remember this? I don't know. But come on, who wouldn't feel special getting a nice little thing like that on the way to the airport? Also, you know, she's literally sitting through security. How can she not think of me? She's fingering her uh, Cosmo. Come on, folks, don't be dirty. She's fingering the pages of her Cosmo and um, thinking of me. And, um, and I'll tell you what, the next time I saw her, we were on a date. 
you know, got off the airplane. Uh, next thing you know, she wanted to hang out. So clearly that worked. Um, but don't do it to manipulate people. You know, gifts are about the other person. Um, I remember in eighth grade, this guy, John, got a, got a diamond ring. This is a true story. He got a diamond ring for this girl, Tracy. And he gave it to her at the semi-formal, you know, where we all got dressed up for the first time. All of our ties are crooked. And everyone formed a circle. And I actually have the photo in the, you know, back when you used to actually have to get developed photos. I have the photo of, of her reaction. And she was like, ah. So basically, he popped out a diamond ring. Maybe it was a necklace. Who knows? Was it different? Earrings, whatever it was. It was expensive. And you know what? Maybe it wasn't diamonds. You know what I mean? He said it was. But, we, you know, we're, we're fucking in eighth grade. We're not checking carrot uh, and cut and whatever. Uh, still not doing that. Um, and he gave her this thing and she like, she was like, thank you. But she didn't kiss him. Like she didn't like him. You need to know your gifts can't, uh, you know, (laughs) they have to be at the level of which, you know, you can't just meet somebody and give them jewelry. It's too much because then they expect like, do I got to suck your dick now? Like it becomes a whole thing. That's why it's, it's easy to buy someone a drink, but like, you're not going to buy some stranger, uh, you know, 50 rounds unless they, you know, you're into them and they're doing your thing. Uh, anyway, uh, so receiving gifts is number one, not a big, I don't know, not, not a big one for me. Um, Oh, wait, shoot. I skipped two. Well, it doesn't matter what order. All right, let's go to fucking receiving. Words of affirmation. You guys know. You guys, you all know this one's mine. This is it. Words of affirmation. To remind yourself that words of affirmation is your spouse's primary love language, print the following on a card and put it on a mirror or other place where you'll see it daily. Words are important. Words are important. Words are important. Well, that's a great idea. Because sometimes I feel like I'll tell Tasha all the time, well, it's weird when you have to tell someone what your love language is because it's like, look, I'm telling you what I want you to do. All you have to do is do this. To me, because it's the language I speak, words of affirmation is a no-brainer. It's like, look, I don't need you to go to pottery class. I don't need you to make me a fucking ceramic bowl. I just need you to tell me my hair looks good and my ass is tight. Or oh, whatever, that's a weird combination. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, what what are we doing here? This is so easy for me. But again, that's because I speak this language. Uh, for one week, keep a written record of all the words of affirmation you give your spouse each day. You might be surprised how well or poorly you're speaking words of affirmation. Set a goal to give your spouse a different compliment each day for one month. If an apple a day keeps the doctor away, maybe a compliment a day will keep the counselor away. That's <laughs> kind of snarky, uh, but it's a lot cheaper. Learn to say I love you or other expressions of affirmation in a couple of different languages. Oh, that's nice. Te amo. Mi amore. It's a mi Mario. Um, what love language does Mario have? I guess he um, I guess he likes to give gifts, right? He gives a princess toadstool, that little mushroom that makes her large. Uh, is that right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is Mario. Uh, yeah. I love you. You know, that's interesting is Tasha and I are really good with the I love yous. I wonder if there's like sub segments of law of the five love languages because like I'm good on the I love you. I think like I know she loves me. She knows I love her. That's good. What I would say would be nice is during a fight to hear affirmations. Is it okay to hear the five love languages during a fight? Like, I'm not going to be fighting with her and then make her a ceramic bowl. Like, I'm not going to... It's like, last thing she needs is quality time when she's locked herself in the bathroom. You know what I mean? I don't know. But it would be nice if, like... It would be nice if I'm fighting in a fight and she's like, Look, man, you're, you're fucking pissing me off. I love you, though. I still love you. I think that would make fighting so much easier for me is if I heard, I still love you during a fight. You listening? Uh, compliment your spouse in the presence of his parents or friends. You will get double credit. Your spouse will feel loved and the parents will feel lucky to have such a great son-in-law or daughter-in-law. Bingo! This one is huge. Okay, let's read that one again. Compliment your spouse in the presence of his parents or friends. That is huge. That is so huge. When I had my shows in Rhode Island last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, my um, one the one show Tasha came to went um went very uh, uh, went a lot better than the first show, 
And the first show, no one, you know, I had some friends there, but Tasha wasn't there to see. It. And I was like, oh man, I fucking did not do well last night. It's not what I wanted. I wanted to really kill and leave a good impression, blah, blah, blah. And then Tasha came to the next show and it went really, really well. And I, and again, it's, uh, you know, some are better than others. No big deal. But when all my, when all my family the next day was like, hey, how'd your show go? You know what I mean? Like, what I'm going to say, it went, it went good. It was a great crowd. You know, you kind of deflect. You're like, oh yeah, the crowd was hot. But what, what a comic is, saying when he's like oh the crowd was really hot is saying i fucking killed and um and it felt and it felt that way you know and it may be in five years i'll look back and go oh you thought that was killing because of course we're only trying to get better in life but where i stand today it felt really good and the um the great thing was that tasha was able to tell my um some of my relatives no dave dave did a great job like it was a really good show and that's great that's good to hear i know it I know it when I get off stage. Oh, that fucking went well. You know, you're kind of confused because there's the process, your processing powers are at a million percent, right? So I'm on stage going like, all right, I'm getting the laughs. That's the plan. It can't really go much better than that. And then all of a sudden, yeah, that's my time. I'm Dave Neal. And you get off stage and there's that pop of laughter or that pop of applause that, you know, kind of validates you. That's the affirmation. You know, the simplest affirmation in the world is a round of applause. Uh, So you guys can clap right now and I'll hear you. Hey. Uh, again, I'm not pathetic. When I talk about affirmations, I, I truly believe that my relationship with Tasha, um, I do believe that it's very hard for her to give affirmations. So, so when I say like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not needy, I think one a day would be plenty for me to talk, you know, talk about giving one affirmation a day, but like a specific one, you know, just like a word of affirmation in front of your relatives is important. A specific one is even more important. I think I've struggled with with Tasha is that, and again, we're we're going to we're going on a, a trip with her parents this coming week, and maybe I should ad- maybe I should address this. A thing that a thing that I haven't noticed is like Tasha's parents have never seen me perform, so they've never seen me on stage, which is fine. You know what I mean? Whatever. But I wonder, she doesn't really do the affirmations within her family, and I wonder if she's done really affirmations to her family about me and maybe she does, but just not in my presence. So I don't know. Maybe she's like, Oh, Dave's really killing it right now. He's, he's hustling and he's doing this and he's getting all these big things, but I don't see or hear that from her to her family. And again, part of me wanting to please her is me wanting her parents' validation. Who doesn't want the validation of their significant other's parents? I want them to know because it's, you know, I, I'm in a place where, things they might value are not what's important to me you know it's like like might be like they'll ask me questions about my side job which is fine you know it's just fodder it's like oh how's the thing going but to me it's like no no no. i just wrote a tv show let's um you know i got big things i'm trying to do here and i want you to know what's a priority a priority to me so you can ask me about that not what i well not what i do to pay my bills and that's another problem with society in general it's like oh how's the uh how's the lift driving going it goes yeah i only do that because because my career choice doesn't pay me yet because I'm still in a dog fight. You know what I mean, folks? Um, I just started doing background work again this past week. Uh, background work, extra work. It's in TV shows and movies. You know, I've been in the Screen Actors Guild for 10 years now. And, you know, you pay a good amount of money to join this union. And, um, and you get, you know, you get paid back pretty quickly. The, the rates are pretty high. I'll get random residual checks from, you know, that movie uh, Birdman, right? I said one line. I was like, hey, Birdman, right? Uh, that movie I've made more money on than a lot. Uh, you know what I mean? I'll get a random fifty to a hundred dollar check in the mail every couple, couple times a year. Uh, uh, residual. I wish the podcast had residuals. Oh, could you imagine? Every episode, I just got a $50 check in the mail times 300 episodes. You do the math. Um, that's still not that much money. Uh, rate and review. Subscribe. Share with your friends. Uh, so, yeah. I started doing background work again, which which is funny because it's not important at all. But I did... um. I worked on Will and Grace this past week. I'm pretty sure it's the new season. And again, Will and Grace is an institution. You might not like it, but it is one of the best sitcoms of all time. And it's one of the only surviving live action TV shows that, you know, shoots tapes in front of a live audience. So we're doing the recording. You know, there's a, Alec Baldwin is on this episode. I have no idea. You know, I don't want, I can't give away anything. Uh, but there's a scene in which he and I have a moment together and I'm just standing there 
in front of 300 people, the live audience, you know, kind of, in, and I don't have a line. I just have like a reaction. So you might see it on the season premiere. You might not. Either way, it was, it was one of those, what the fuck am I talking about? It was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm, this isn't what I meant to do in life, but it's one of those side gigs that's kind of cool. And it's kind of like when you talk about these, these leaps of faith and these, in you know, climbing to new levels of enlightenment and new career levels the, you, you, we we only see the giant thing like oh so and so got SNL or so and so's on a new TV show you only see what's printed in the variety news you know you don't see these little incremental steps and you know sometimes i share them with you this week was kind of one of them and it was, it was interesting it was you know it was, it was interesting it was cool to be on set because you're basically in a museum of comedy at that point you know this is the this is like being backstage at the rolling stones i mean honestly like will and grace is it, it is a monumental show and you don't get to be a part of live tapings often so it was really cool um to be part of that but yeah it's just you know i don't know there's a million side jobs we do and <sighs> It's hard to tell someone what you want affirmations for. Like, I don't want affirmations for being background on Law and Order. Do you know what I mean? But I want someone to say, "Oh, geez, you did a show at a um, at that brewery. How, that must have been crazy. How was it relating to that that um, redneck audience and you know in a hostile environment? You know, something stupid. And go, oh yeah, and then I'll talk shop all day long with you. Um, so I think word of affirmations. The most important part is finding meaningful affirmations. Um, distinct in in, uh, in in specific. Uh, look for your spouse's strengths and tell her how much you appreciate those strengths. Be be specific. Be specific. Be be specific. B e s b e c i f i c. No, that's not how it goes. Be aggressive with consent. With consent. C o n s. Okay. Uh, be specific. I like how you reach out to people at church who don't seem to have anyone to talk to, or you're really keeping up with a job search. I know it'll pay off. Yeah, see, those are good. Those are specific examples. Occasionally email or text a note of affirmation during the day or when one of you is traveling, or if you know your spouse is having a hard day, send a link to a funny website. Thank your mate for something they do routinely and wouldn't expect to be complimented for. These are great notes, folks. Look, words of affirmation, even if it's not your partner's uh, even if words of affirmation isn't your partner's like go-to love language, uh, gratitude is the um, is the response to an affirmation. If you're affirming, is the fucking noise is being. There's some noises going on outside. If you're affirming something, you're 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 appreciating it. So if you're if you're saying, "Babe, I love I love the way you f- make the bed. It's great. You just do such a good job with it." You're you're appreciating it, and and of course with gratitude, um, you're just giving more abundance to that thing that you like. And in relationships, you gotta like the other person, don't you? You know what I mean? Let's lead with some positivity. All right. So um, what's the next one? Quality time. Do we do quality time? No, we didn't do that one yet. Quality time. Some couples are together a lot more than others. If that's the case for you, don't try to make all your time together quality time. Designate specific times and places for planned togetherness. This is a tough one because Tasha and I do spend a lot of time together. We spend, you know, we spend most mornings together. Um, we spent, we, I mean, this is what's frustrating to me is that we spend a lot of time together, but on specific days, I might, you know, I'm doing other things. Baseball. I got stand up all the time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to write. Like I can't do, I can't write with when with Tasha. I have to be at a Starbucks by myself, surrounded by people. I just know what I need. I do not need to be at home alone. No, I need to be surrounded with strangers. I don't, I don't want to talk to them. I just need you in my presence. That's something weird about me or maybe it's not i just need a little bit of white noise why does it have to be white i need some noise of color you know to fill out my day um and in and, and in the in but but i have to i have to have distinct quality time moments um ask your spouse for a list of five activities that he would enjoy doing with you don't assume you know that again don't assume you know don't assume anything when you're doing your five love languages make plans to do one of them each month for the next five months if money is an issue space the freebies between the we can't afford this events Oh, we're going to go to Jake Owen next month. I fucking can't wait. Concerts. I mean, like, who doesn't love a good concert? If you need to spend quality time together, you might as well make it work for yourselves. Look, um, uh, think of an activity a spouse enjoys, which bring, but which brings little pressure to you. Football, crafting, nat- nature, photography. Tell your spouse that you're trying to broaden your horizons and would like to join them in this activity sometime this month. 
you know, my buddy Darren, um, his girlfriend's been begging him to go to yoga with him. And he's like, dude, I'm not going to that. And I'm like, bro, just go to yoga with her. First of all, it'll, it'll make her happy. And it's actually a good activity for you. Even if you don't think you'll enjoy it, sometimes you need the activity that, you, that you're resisting. We'll get into the uh, war of art in a minute. But you need to look at whatever you're resisting and say, do I need this? Do I need some quiet time? And it's like, bro, what's the big deal? You can do some downward dog, stare at some camel toes, some cleavage, look at your girlfriend, you know, you'll be, you'll be, just do it. Go do some yoga. Anyway, that's quality time. Quality time is important and I probably need to work the most on quality time because I'll pack my week. I'll pack it, guys. You have no fucking idea. I'll go, like, I don't want to be home. There's something about me, you know, before my mom remarried, it was just my mom and my sister and myself, no TV, no music. It was a boring fucking home. I don't like being home. Every once in a while, I'll crack open the HBO and have fun at home, but then I'll have to go to the gym. I like being surrounded by people. Receiving gifts. Did I do the receiving gifts? We did the receiving gifts one. So we got that, you know, receiving gifts. Again, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, it's equal. Access service. This is one I think a lot of guys do for their women. I think a lot of women want access service, but the guys think that all they need to do is access. Baby, I mowed the fucking lawn. What do you want? It's like, well, maybe she wants a hug and to be told she's sexy. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's easy to combine these, but acts of service is one of those that can be a little more time consuming. And um, with time, I know I struggle with time management. So it's no, it's no uh, uh, surprise to me when I when I look back and go, well. Some of the biggest fights I have with Tasha is over time management. It's over quality time and acts of service. Although acts of service is something that comes a little easier to me than quality time. Because the quality time is like, really? Like the other day I had a Friday off and then, um, and then I booked work last minute. And she goes, but I thought Friday we had the day together. And I was thinking, well, just because I had the day off doesn't mean we have the day together. And it doesn't mean I don't love doing things together. But I also have to rem- remember to find my quiet alone time my restoration and part of the five love love languages is the fact that you can't give someone else what they need if you don't provide it to yourself first this is the oxygen mask in the in the airplane you know what i mean you got to put them on first uh and then you have sex as the plane's going down um and then the plane doesn't go down and then your pants are off and you're like, uh, sorry, I miscalculated that turbulence. Turbulence. Access service. Consider serving someone or something your spouse loves. An older relative caring attentively for a pet. Attentively for a pet. I put too many T's on that. Caring attentively for a pet. A favorite cause. Print note cards with the following. Today I will show my love for you by dot, dot, dot. Complete the sentence with a task you know your spouse would love you to do. Picking up the clutter. I did this. I, I, um, I built something underneath our sink. I added a shelf. It just sounds so stupid. All the, you, every time you open the door under the sink, all this shit falls down. So I added a couple of shelves and you know zipped it together with some wood. Didn't tell Tasha. And she came home one day and saw that all these things were organized in, 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 in this you know, succinct matter. And she loved it. And that shit I could care less about, but I loved the fact that she loved it. And that's what we do. The love languages for folks. We see the joy in the other person and we are restored by their happiness. And it's, and it's a symbiotic relationship. Is this crazy? Are we doing this? You know, what's interesting. And again, you know, I gotta, I gotta make chase. Listen to this. My sister, chase, Irish twin, my Irish twin chase. She's 11 and a half months older than me or Irish twins. Give it up for my mother. Chase. I, I'm, you know what? I'm going to send, if you're listening to this, I'm already sending you a copy of the five love languages. You and Sean need this. You need to know how to feed the other person what they need. Um, like when I came home to visit, and again, you guys have four children. I can't even imagine how that gets in the way of love languages. But it'll be it might it might be helpful for you you to identify what your boys and your girl needs as far as like attention wise. Do they need attention or gifts or affirmations and being able to give them what they need? You you might find that the household is just way more about love. Not that it isn't now. And again, I'm not being critical, Chase. I'm just telling you, you know, coming home. 
it's easy for me as an outsider to look into the fishbowl and go, oh, I don't know about the energy here. I think you guys are um, resisting giving what each other needs. Like Sean, you know what I mean? Does Sean need a massage? And Chase, I know you do. You got four kids. You're you're a birthing machine. You're just popping them out, you know, like a assembly line. I get it. But what what does Sean need? Does he come home at the end of the day, swamp from his two jobs? Or does, and, and, and vice versa, does he need to rub your feet and give you affirmations? Because Chase, if you're anything like me, growing up you need to be told all the ways that you're special um i don't know just a thought just a shout out to my sister there uh you know for being 11 months apart we're different but also i get you i understand and um and hey chase maybe you know maybe you realize that you know the affirmations you need to give to mom you know what i mean Anyway, if anyone else has family, anyone else have moms out there or siblings or dads or kids or aunts or uncles or cousins, um, think of ways that you might be able to shoot a message to a loved one because you might not know how important and well-received that will be to them. Anyway, that's acts of service. (sighs) Do we do all five? Nope, we're missing one. Oh, the good one physical touch with consent (laughs) i don't know sometimes you don't i don't know consent in a relationship sometimes you slap an ass you know what i mean but i think there's consent given there it's like well you're not slapping an ass in church you might just be slapping an ass you're you know you're at a blockbuster getting movies how old is this episode and you give a little you know you give a little slap on the ass it doesn't mean you get you stuffing your hand down someone's pants um as you walk from the car to go shopping reach out and hold your spouse's hand when you shop for your spouse, look for things that will appeal to their tactile nature. A cashmere sweater, a plush throw pillow, soft slippers. That is one that I don't consider. I do not consider that. Uh, I should. Walk up to your spouse and say, have I told you lately that I love you? Or sing it. Have I told you lately that I love you? Take her in your arms and hug her while you rub her back and continue. You're the best untangle yourself and move on to the next thing hey i see that that physical touch involved an affirmation not only that's what i tell tasha i say look all i need is for you to slap me on the ass and tell me i'm sexy and then move on with your day hey folks if you see me out there in public you can do the same i if you listen to the if you are a subscriber i give you full consent you can slap me on the ass don't make it sting too hard just wake me up a little bit and then just say good game slap me on the ass and say good game we had those t-shirts in college by the way, I just got a fucking splinter. How the fuck did I do that? Um, we uh, we had these t-shirts in college in the fraternity that it was a guy or girl. I don't think the gender mattered for the t-shirt. It was one person slapping another person's ass and then it said, good game. And um, that was like the motto that the fraternity and the sorority had for that Greek week of festivities. This sounds so douchey saying it. But the, the motto was like, hey, good game. And, and everyone would slap each other's ass. But then again, ass slapping. I, and again, trust me, like I get it. Don't slap a stranger's ass. You didn't hear that here, folks. But ass slapping isn't the sexual thing that like an ass grab is. It's like, hey, good game. I mean, I know that because my baseball team, you know, I go pitch, I come out of the game, they all slap me on the ass. Uh, but again, you need to you need to be aware of the person's ass that you're slapping. Do they like it? I know my girlfriend does. I know she loves a good ass slap. I don't know. It says a lot. Um, Initiate sex by giving your spouse a foot massage. Continue to other parts of the body as long as it brings pleasure to your spouse. When family or friends are visiting, touch your spouse in their presence. A hug, running your hand along his or her arm, putting your arm around him as you stand talking, or simply placing your hand on her shoulder can earn double emotional points. It says, even with all these things, even with all these people in our house, I still see you. That's a good one. Physical touch is something we struggle with. Um, I do not, and I, I, I do not feel like I ha- I receive enough physical touch. I didn't realize that this was one of my love languages I needed so much. I'll call it 25%. I think words of affirmation is probably like 70%. This one's probably the second one, 25%. And then, you know, everyone needs a little bit of uh, quality time and other things in there too. But um, I think what we only notice the the big ones because the other ones kind of fall into place. Like quality time. I mean, Tasha needs it so bad. Uh, so much more than me that by 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 kind of filling her need for quality time, even at the bare minimum, her need for quality time, I have fully you know received all the QT I need. Uh, but physical touch—that's a tough one because a lot of times in the relationship we go, "Oh, massage me, massage me," and then it's like not returned, and you go, "What the fuck?" And she'll she'll complain that I never give her massages, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? 
I'm like beleaguered over here. I, I massage you. I give you what you need. But like, do you not realize that I too could use physical touch? So anyway, if you see me out there in the streets. Oh, by the way, the whole reason I'm talking about this is I went... I was I was at a fitting for a job. Where, uh, we shot this thing. I had to look like I was in the 1960s. And there was three different um, uh, wardrobe uh, specialists. Uh, what are they called? Uh, wardrobe uh, ladies. And they were fitting me for a suit. And they were, you know, like one was like touching my knee, you know, uh, clipping something. And one was like grabbing my waist. And one was like ruffling my shoulders. And, and none of it was sexual. But it felt so good. It felt good. It feels good to be touched. It's like when I go to get a haircut. I don't want to bang my hairstylist. What's up, Danielle? How are you? Um, <laughs> Danielle's a great hairstylist. Um, but I love being touched. And, it, and like, even if it's a guy like my buddy Gooch, if he wants, he'll, he'll, he'll you know, we'll see him and he'll, we'll give a, you know, he'll like uh, give me a quick like, you know, massage. Like my buddy Diggums, rest rest his soul. My my buddy Diggums who passed away. He would he would kind of like he has these really strong hands and he you know he'd give me like that quick that quick brute manly shoulder shoulder rub that when you see someone you know that kind of shoulder rub you crank one out on the shoulders that that is something that i love uh and i miss you digs um so on behalf of diggums i'm going to go shoulder rub some people you guys do it too do it on behalf of diggums give people some shoulder rubs so anyway a physical touch is important um all the all these things are important but what's stopping us from really putting the work in to feed what's important in our lives. What is stopping us? I'll tell you what. And again, this podcast, while sometimes, you know, it's hopefully this is relatable to you because these are my issues. These are my truths. And it goes, you go, geez, what's a fucking comedian we're talking to? Why is he so deep? Look, when I get up, when I get alone, I get deep, right? Uh, what is stopping us from achieving that next level of love? Is it fear, anxiety, or is it just some weird procrastination? Are we all in prison uh, by our technology, our cell phones? Just even hearing this sound, we, we have to check our phones. I mean, how many times have you felt a vibration and you check your pocket for your phone? And it's like, your phone's not even in your pocket, but you just have this Pavlovian reflex. And it's like, are we in a prison? Has has the world of advertising and all the algorithms of social media really? I mean, I mean, they've they've obviously hired psychologists to to keep us engaged as long as possible. I mean, how many times do we go to bed and wake up with our phones? What the fuck are we doing? And again, before you pause and go, all right, no more podcasts. I understand. I mean, I enjoy so many different podcasts, some of which are like three or four hours long. And I have to remember to turn them off and let my brain sort of air itself out. Let my creative mind uh, kind of keep its toes in the sand in the ocean. And music is, I, I think music is okay with that. Music can help us drift. But sometimes podcasts for me, it's like I'm listening to a podcast. So how could I possibly be creating something while I'm, you can't consume and create at the same time. Sometimes you can. But how often are we in the shower and uh, having a cold uh, um, beer? Um, mimosa? You do a mimosa in the shower? How often are we in the shower and a brilliant idea comes to us because we actually had the clarity in the moment to chill out? Which gets scary because, you know, some people like, you know, they'll throw their Bluetooth speaker on in the shower and they'll be listening to something and, and that's all good. But, you know, we're all consumers. I get it. But are we, are we curbing the creative uh, side of things? Which brings us to the war of art. I'm uh, really enjoying this coffee today. The War of Art. I've talked about it plenty of times, and I have to continuously reread it. Break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. Now, the War of Art also applies to relationships because it talks about resistance. It talks about resistance to change, resistance to trying new things, which can include a diet, a new job, starting that blog, um, putting some paint on canvas, uh, you know what I mean? A million things. What does resistance feel like? Let's just read this quick page. First, unhappiness. We feel like hell. A low-grade misery pervades everything. We're bored. We're restless. We can't get no satisfaction. There's guilt, but we can't put our finger on the source. We want to go back to bed. We want to get up and party. We feel unloved and unlovable. 
We're disgusted. We hate our lives. We hate ourselves. Unalleviated, resistance mounts to a pitch that becomes unendurable. At this point, vices kick in. Dope, adultery, web surfing, listening to the podcast, sharing it, rating and reviewing. (laughs) Beyond that, resistance becomes clinical, depression, aggression, dysfunction, then actual crime and physical self-destruction. Sounds like life, I know. It isn't. It's resistance. What makes it tricky is that we live in a consumer culture that's acutely aware of this unhappiness and has massed all its profit-seeking artillery to exploit it by selling us a product, a drug, a distraction. John Lennon once wrote, Well, you think you're so clever and classless and free, but you're all fucking peasants as far as I can see. As artists and professionals, it is our obligation to enact our own internal revolution, a private insurrection inside our own skulls. In this uprising, we free ourselves from the tyranny of consumer culture. We overthrow the programming of advertising, movies, video games, magazines, TV, and MTV, which by, which, uh, by which we have been hypnotized from the cradle. A couple of years old. Uh, we unplug ourselves from the grid by recognizing that we will never cure our restlessness by contributing our in our disposable income to the bottom line of bullshit incorporated, but only by doing our work. Only by doing our work can we release ourselves from this prison. And there's different things in my mind, that create this prison. It's, it's the resistance and the procrastination and, and scrolling through news feeds to see everyone else's story and how great they're doing. And it creates just a shitty vibe. It creates a, it creates a piece of shit. Nothing makes me feel worse than going on Instagram and seeing everybody else's successes. And don't get me wrong, I love hearing a success story, but something about seeing one after another. And who knows? I know they look at mine and they probably feel bad. They go, oh, Dave's doing it. Oh, he's approaching his 300th episode. Everyone's sharing, rating, and reviewing his podcast. Oh, I'm a piece of shit. I even started mine. Sometimes that energy can be parlayed into something good. We can say, you know what? Enough is enough. But until we get to that point, it's just depression. It's guilt. Does anyone else feel that guilt? Not doing what you want to do? Nikki, you think I hate corporate life? Nikki, our our listener, love you, Nikki. I don't hate corporate life. I just hate the feeling of not pursuing my own goals, my own dreams. And not to say you can't do that with the corporate life. You can be a lawyer and, and spend your free time writing that novel. You can do whatever you want. But for me, I wasn't investing in myself at all. Every minute spent, and I feel this with my side jobs, every minute spent making money for somebody else is a minute where I could have been, you know doing something for me. What I've had to learn to do is really make time. This podcast, again, I'm releasing it a day late. I've been busy. Talk about resistance. This pot, but I really wanted to be alone. I can't do this with anyone else in the room. Like this is for me. You know what I mean? Sometimes I record these in my car because I really want to be alone. Um, But this podcast, I I have to release this weekly. I know that I'm going to do that. That's why I record an episode in an RV. By the way, it's melting so hot. It's so hot. I had to turn the... uh, AC off to get good audio, but we're in a heat wave here. Uh, I, I've realized what I need to do to feed this podcast and churn it out, but I also, I don't do enough. I feel guilt when I see other podcasts featured on Esquire as like the top 10 relationship podcasts. I go, my fucking podcast will eat your podcast's dick. I think that's a good thing, right? My podcast, uh, you know what I mean? And I go, I go, well, I didn't do the work. I didn't do the work to submit it, to get it to the next level, to make that website, to get it featured. And I feel tremendous guilt about not doing it. Well, what's going to stop me from feeling that guilt? How about dedicating the time and energy it takes to water my own plants, to take care of that, and then reap the rewards? I can't be mad at anybody else for getting into a film festival that I didn't submit to. Do you know what I mean, folks? We can't be mad at anyone else for their success when we didn't, uh, uh, you know, tuck in our big boy shirt and go out there and our big girl shirt. I ain't genders, but go out there and do our thing. So, Nikki, I don't hate corporate worlds. I just hate the idea that we get so bogged down in somebody else's machine that we don't stop 
and have enough time to create our own. We're too busy swimming in the deep end that we get home and we're sick and tired. And what's the quote? We're sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Well, let's get on up there and do something about it, folks. See if we can read something here. Got a couple questions. Is it normal to not feel good enough? This is about it. This is from a dude. He's 20. He's young. Gotten really close to a girl. She's 21 from work. And I feel I am genuinely starting to fall for her. We get on so well and have a ridiculous amount of fun when together. But the more I get to know her, the more I start to feel I'm not worth it. She drives an expensive car, lives with her mom in a huge house, and has two jobs with a degree. I've just moved out into a flat, can't drive, failed the test today, and I'm always broke. She also thinks I live with a flatmate, but I really live with my brother, who's 16, who I'm a guardian for which, and that just adds to my paranoia. Paranoia. Judging by the way he's talking, I think he's living in England. We don't do flats here. I'm certain I'm certain she likes me too, but I'm just terrified that she will think I'm a loser when she gets to know me more and more. Bro, you fitting you're fitting right in into this like this idea that you're not good enough and that others are better and this insecurity. I mean, you know, I'm 33. This this tidal wave of social media, I think I think I got a lot of my backbone before it hit. But it's also scary for adults because we're dealing with social media. Like, you know, obviously you see adults texting. You know what I mean? They're fucking, they're just as addicted as the rest of us. Uh, they're probably the real danger because, you know, you take like, you know, they, I, I don't think they know how to use this technology or at least these kids who grew up with it. But you're 20. You see all these other people that have success. So, so what makes you any worse? What makes this girl any better than you? Because her mom's rich. She's a product of that. She might feel like shit because she hasn't proved herself. All would say is this if you don't like where your situation is at you need to keep working rise the ranks and next thing you know you know what i mean you'll be successful because you've got that drive so i think it's okay to feel this way to i think it's okay to not to feel not good enough but what you do with it is what you do with it i don't feel good enough myself i don't feel that funny sometimes i don't feel ambitious but every day as our as our boy jordan peterson says Compare ourselves to who we were yesterday, not somebody else. Be better today than you were yesterday. And, the, and, and, and when you do that, you're going to be on your own path. And if a lady doesn't appreciate that drive that you have, which clearly you do, you at least have the drive. Um, if she doesn't appreciate that, the next one will. You keep working. Sometimes people don't appreciate. So I, I, I think all the times that my girlfriend doesn't appreciate me and I go, well, well, you know what? I know I'm working hard. And if she doesn't appreciate me, maybe it's like a problem she has with herself. And and, and again, and, and you know what I've realized is a lot of like the creative work that I've been doing, I've noticed a lot of um, a, a small level of resentment and scar tissue from my girlfriend because she doesn't know what she wants to do creatively. And you know, she, we've done, we've talked about it on the podcast and she's studied it and she's realized that some of her health issues probably come from her not expressing her creativity. Uh, which sounds insane. It sounds so new age to say that. How could you, how could, you know, assist or an issue you have or a hormone problem? And again, sometimes, you know, we just have problems and it's just because our bodies are weird. But how could, how can you be cured of a depression just by, in some instances, releasing the, the, the need for the outcome and you just pursue the creativity? You know, get a coloring book. I mean, it's something so simple as just spending some time to water your own lawn. And what you need to do, you know, yeah, look, you, you sound like you're in a tough spot. You got a 16 year old brother that you have to be the guardian for. I couldn't imagine, but maybe she respects that, that family value that you have, that you take care of your own. And I think, I think you need to worry a little bit less about what she thinks and use that feeling of not feeling important and make something good out of it. Someone said, how are you supposed to meet people at the bar? I can meet people in the park through mutual friends, the pool, various workshops and other events, but I just don't get why everyone says that the bars are the best place to meet new people or dates. Like, am I supposed, like, like what am I supposed to do? Just walk up to somebody's table while there are with three other people. Bars are very popular in my city, but I've never seen anyone going to the bar to meet new people. Well, look, I mean, yeah, meeting somebody at the park and through mutual friends is great. Um, probably better than meeting someone at the bar, but 
chances are the bar is full of single people that are looking to mingle. Um, I always hate it when I go out with buddies, like when I was single and we'd sit at a booth because then, yeah, you're never going to meet someone. If you just go sit at a booth, you need to be, if you, if it's time to go meet someone, you need to be standing. You need to be in a communal area, probably near the crowded bar. Let a girl walk by you and bump into you. If she wants you to talk to her, she'll bump into you as she goes to order her drinks. It's something as very simple as that. Hang out um, by an area that's, you know, you're populated. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. If, if, if you're sitting at a booth and there's a table of three girls sitting at a booth across the way and you got to get up, walk across to them, you're going to look like a psycho. It doesn't mean it can't work, but it's like the rejection that might occur from that seems far more damning than the rejection of a girl um, walking by and, and ordering a drink and you make fun of her because you're like, what, what is that, a buttery nipple? Uh, who who are fuzzy navel? What's it? What's the drink called? And you you say, oh, who orders that? What are you uh, underage? Let me see your ID. And then she shows your ID, and you go, oh geez, that is not a good photo. And you have a laugh. And now you're now you're talking, you know. Or this girl that I met at a bar once, and I was there by myself. I've talked about it before because I was in LA, and it was my first month here, and I was supposed to meet some friends out, and they were super late. And I was like, I'm not going to wait in my car for my friends to show up. I'm going to go to the fucking bar. So I go to the bar, I hang out, I start talking to the bartender, and I just keep a positive mental attitude. And I ended up, and then three or four girls walked by to order drinks next to me. I heard their accent, and I started talking to them, and they were from France. And next thing you know, you know, you know that happened. Happened. And then we became cool. And the next thing you know, I'm driving them home in my car because, first of all, I know I studied in France. I know how much it sucks to be studying abroad and not have transportation and you're out at a bar. And I was like, look, I'm not a psycho. I only had a drink. I wasn't drunk. I was like, I'll just drive you guys home. And they, 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 they were three or four girls. They knew I was cool. And I drove them home. They had put the bike in the trunk, you know, whatever. And, and it was cool. And I got their info and um, yada, 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 as they say. But that happened because I was standing at the bar, kind of in an area where they had to walk up next to me. You know what I mean? The bar is just... I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a little melting pot. It's just, that's just where you go. So if there's any other events that can replicate that social feeling of the bar, which might be spin class followed by a happy hour or something, obviously bars make sense because you get a little liquid courage, right? But of course, if you're sober, there's a million things you could do, but um, you know, I don't know. So that's how you meet people at the bar. You stand on your feet, you stand on your feet and, and you treat it like work. And you keep smiling and you don't look at your phone and you keep your chin up and you see what happens. And if there's someone who looks at you and you look back and they smile, maybe you go, hey, what's going on? And maybe they start talking to you. You know, I know it sounds crazy in today's world with the swiping technology and this and that, but I think it's an option. And the bar's quick. It really is. It's way quicker than dating apps. You build that instant connection or you don't. I mean, I've had way more success by meeting women at bars than I ever had on a dating app. Um, what do we got here? Dealing with a girlfriend's past. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, it's long. Here we go. Let's do, this will probably be the last one. Let's do this one and get out of here. Okay. By the way, folks, um, I'm going to be doing the next couple episodes. Um, as we approach the 300th episode, I'm going to be doing a feature on uh, back to school. And this episode is actually good for back to school as well, because the idea of back to school isn't just like if you're in college or high school. The idea is that you get that new trapper keeper, you reorganize your life, right? You do, you, you, you buy some new clothes. It's, it's, a, it's a change of seasons. So I cha- I'm going to challenge you folks and you ladies to look at back to school as a back to me, back to who I want to become, so you might say, all right, starting September 1st, and, I, and by the way, I hate it when people go, oh, starting September 1st or starting New Year's, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Like, start it today. I get it. But start planning out your attack. You know, if sugar, if sugar is part of the enemy of resistance because you have a fucking cookie and then you can't focus because your brain's hot wired and it feels like cocaine's rushing through your veins, then you need to learn, all right, sugar's my enemy and moving forward, I'm eliminating it from my diet. And I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to get my phone out of the fucking bed, which again, my phone's got legs. It keeps walking in the bed with me. I I did a, I, 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 for a while there, I was doing no phone in the bed. But it's like, 
and I challenged Tasha. I'm like, look, are you willing to give up this phone, this thing, this this cesspool of shit that's that we're looking at, and our eyes are just scanning this light right before we go to bed? Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to grow? Are you folks dealing with a girlfriend's past? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm being insecure, and it is totally my fault that I am even bothered by it. But here we are. I have been together with my current girlfriend for about five months now, and there is this one thing I just can't get over. That is, of course, her exes. When we had the so-are-we-going-official talk, one major point we have asked each other was how strongly we are still connected to our past. I told her that my previous relationships are well and truly over, and I really was telling the truth. In fact, I have never brought up any one of my exes, not even once, because that's how over those relationships are, that's how over those relationships are for me, and I'm not the kind of guy to play games with and provoke their significant other. She had told me the same thing saying that both her exes really hurt her, cheating in both cases, and that she feels nothing towards them. However, I have noticed that she brings them up in conversation quite a bit, and I'm not sure what to think. On one side, she tells me all the time that I am a much better boyfriend than any of them, that she feels at home with me, that she really appreciates that I view her as a priority. Neither of them did, according to her. Even her little brother told me once that he thinks that I am a really great guy and that out of her boyfriends, he likes me by far the most. On the flip side, it really annoys me that she brings them up from time to time, not really often, but often enough for me to be annoyed by it. I confronted her about it once, and she told me that it was a really shitty thing to do and that she won't do it again, which I admit she hasn't, but the thought is already there in my head, ruining an otherwise perfect relationship. We haven't argued once, we laugh a lot, we get along really well, and my family loves her. Her family likes me too. She's very kind to me, caring, always makes up time to spend i'm out of breath (laughs) too much coffee she's very kind to me caring always makes up time to spend with me and i generally just have a really good feeling around her our sex life is great too again she tells me that i am by far the most the best of her partners even when it comes to this so why am i even asking for help because i know that this is my own problem i need to deal with it because i don't want to get mad at her the next time she mentions her ex or something i really care about our relationship and i love her so much i don't want to cause the end of it just because of my insecurity so how do i get over it look first of all time time's important you've only dated for a few months so you're still comparing yourself to her exes uh i think with any relationship the more time you spend with your partner the more confident you'll get i can't tell you how jealous i used to get of other guys of photographers of of dudes in my girlfriend's life and i've realized look i'm her guy you know what i mean i am her guy and she's mine and we treat each other with that love that if she does bring up an ex, I know she's asked me about some exes before and it's in, in you know, I talk about them uh, in a textbook style where it's like, well, yeah, here's what I got out of that. Yeah, that, oh, that girlfriend really fucked me up. Was she a bad person? No, not at all. I mean, I just was like primed to be fucked up. I was trying to make something work that didn't and blah, blah, blah. And here's what I learned from it. And this is why I'm a better version of myself now. And that's all past relationships relationships are. They they lead us to something better. Uh, they the, and, and and if you're going through a breakup right now, you have to remember that this breakup is going to lead you to something better. Um, the mistakes that you're making and that your significant other has made or your ex has made are going to lead you to know what you really want in life. Um, I do struggle when when you say she, uh, you say that she says her ex is treated her shittily. Uh, my girlfriend does the same thing, and I go, "Well, were they? You know, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, they were probably a bunch of assholes.' And then, but I think it's I think it's a little uh, more of an enlightened thought to be like, well, maybe they were good, but maybe maybe Tasha needed that quality time that they weren't ready to give. And and with men, boys, uh, gentlemen, with men there's such a search for finding out who we are. And again, this could be for women too, but I'm just speaking from my gender, from what I've seen from my bros is that we spend, uh, we're, we're, we spend so much of our twenties, you know, trying to figure out who we are in that identity. And we don't have time to really give to someone else that much of, because we're, we're in a war out there. We're trying to like establish our place in this hierarchy. And, and a lot of times I think there's, you know, you learn that if someone else isn't making you a priority, like if he doesn't love me at my blah, 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 he's not going to love me at my huda. you know, if, yeah, it's like I've chosen myself over love before. Um, 
I've regretted it in the short term, but not in the long term. In the short term, I go, what was I doing? Why did I move it across the country? I had a girl there. I should have done it. Well, I was pursuing something within. And sometimes we had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We got to really isolate ourselves to find out who we are. And we come out of it a better person. And that's what the whole world is about, right? Seeking, right? Seeking you shall find. And the answer might not be, you know, what, what's, you know, you might have to cocoon and punch your way out of that cocoon and fly away. And you, maybe you'll come back. You know what I mean? But it's about, it's about challenging yourself. And that's what, that's what this episode is about is challenging ourselves. Let's see if there's any last quote I can read from the war of art about resistance. I don't know. The whole book is just poems. It's poem after poem. How do we, um, how do we respond to the inner critic? You know, the self doubt. Should I just read this and get out of here? I'll read these last two paragraphs and get out of here. But I do encourage you all to really, um, you know, uh, if you if you do love this podcast, uh, if if this is part of your weekly life, I know a lot of you said like, oh, the podcast isn't out yet. I listened to it on my way to work, and um, and uh, you know, we have uh, actually um, some listeners that are going through some hard times with the uh, loss of some family members. Hey, I hear you. I love you guys. We're out there for you. Um, your family to me. You know, you've provided me the chance to to ramble weekly. And to that, I'm grateful, even if I've never met you before. Uh, so to my brothers and my sisters out there that are struggling, that are trying to find out who they are and how to please their family, their significant other, and just grow as a person, shots to you. Appreciate you. Um, let's end on this from the War of Art. Again, leave a review, write it with your friends, whatever. Resistance and Criticism. If you find yourself criticizing other people, you're probably doing it out of resistance. When we see others beginning to live their authentic selves, it drives us crazy if we have not lived out our own. Individuals who are realized in their own lives almost never criticize others. If they speak at all, it is to offer encouragement. Watch yourself. Of all the manifestations of resistance, most only harm ourselves. Criticism and cruelty harm others as well. Resistance and self-doubt. Let's end on this sometimes these hurt folks. You know what I mean? Sometimes you read something and you go, shit, I criticize a lot of people. <laughs> need to work on myself. Resistance and self-doubt. I'll read this one and we'll get the fuck out. Self-doubt can be an ally. This is because it serves as an indicator of aspiration. It, refl- it, it reflects love, love of something we dream of doing and desire, desire to do it. If you find yourself asking yourself and your friends, Am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Chances are you are. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. Take care, guys. See you next week. (laughs) 